chapter 1, which can be found on page 1862 in our Pew Bibles. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He made his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, (coughs) In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Anne. We're looking at the greatness of Jesus this morning. And our text from Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3, where there are seven, seven things mentioned in in relation to who Jesus is. It says in verse 2, In these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So there's three. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. Four, the exact representation of his being. Five, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Six, and after he provided purification of sin. Seven, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Eight, the greatness of God, the greatness of Jesus, what we are looking at this morning. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are entering the season of Lent, Lent is a time before Good Friday, the Sundays before Good Friday, where the focus is on Jesus and his coming and suffering and dying for our sins, leading to his resurrection on Easter, which we look forward to celebrating in a few weeks. Through our remembering these things, the center is to be reminded of God's great love for us, Jesus' great love for us, that Jesus suffered and died for us. That's what we are remembering and celebrating. So this Lent season, we want to be clear that in this act of love, what Jesus has done, as he forgives us, he is in fact doing the greatest thing for us 
the greatest thing that has ever been done for us. Jesus coming, dying for our sin, and rising victorious from the grave. To put it another way, there is nothing that anyone has ever done in the history of this world or in your life to this point. People maybe have done nice things for you. There is nothing that anyone has done that is greater than what Jesus has done. And in the future as well, there's nothing anyone could do for you. They could donate a kidney to you. They could help you in significant ways. But there is nothing for you greater than what Jesus has done. Sacrificing himself on the cross for your and my sin. So in regard to anything and everything else, what Jesus has done is the greatest thing. And in that way, Jesus is greater in our lives than all other things. That's our focus this season of Lent. Now let me just give you a couple examples of things that, that, that try to intervene and, and try to, to suggest that they're greater. And just recently, I'm not sure if you followed it, but they just discovered a great thing. In this world, they made a great discovery. They discovered gravitational waves. Did you hear about that? It was in the news. Science managed to find proof for gravitational waves. Well, you say, and initially I thought too, what in the world is that? That's not very great. But that is the greatest thing. Because if you study these things, there are these, these, these waves like ocean waves that, that move through the universe. And so they were able actually to affirm what Newton said, that these waves had to exist. Or Einstein. Was it Einstein? It was Einstein. These waves existed, right? And they finally found proof that they exist. And, and for those who are studying this and thinking about this, the, the finding that these waves actually exist means that, that the theories about the universe are true and that, that we would then as human beings now possibly be able to harness the energy of those waves and to build ships that could go out into space on these waves and that they would harness the solar winds and that we could discover like Columbus long ago when he set out for the new world. And all these great and amazing things now stand before us. And even time, there's discussion about the theory of finding these waves and then you can actually move through time. And for those who are studying, looking at these things, Mrs. Wengeisel and me, we're scratching our head. <laughs> How is this possible, right? What does this mean? But there is a, a significance in the world of science to hope, to trust, the faith in science and discovery that this is it, people! We've got it now. And like Columbus of old, 
we will set out through the universe and we will have control of time and everything will be great and amazing and wondrous. These are the kind of things that come out in a world that you wonder about things and put your faith in different things. We would say that that is definitely of interest and, and there's no idea that I can understand or you can understand exactly, but we would want to say Jesus is greater. When something great and amazing is, is placed out, out there, say, oh, this is great and amazing. We would say to Jesus, Jesus is greater. He, he created all things. He, he knows what's out there. He knows those gravitational waves long before we had any clue that they were there. He understands. And he even created time. We believe that Jesus created, God created time. So moving in time, traveling in time, nothing new for Jesus. Nothing out of the ordinary. He is greater. So even when these great discoveries come, then you think, hmm, Jesus is still greater, much greater. So that, that's one example. The next example is in terms of, of the great things of this world, uh, the, the, the science, the medical science of, of vaccinations. Do we have here, look at that. How many got their flu vaccine? Fess up. Yes. Good work. Why do you do that? Because it's great, right? It's helpful. It, it prevents. And, and other vaccines, right? We've all had our MMR, right? Measles, mumps, rubella pretty much standard, right? A vaccine that saves us, protects us, helps us. That's a great discovery. Vaccines are great. If we have a medical people too, they'll, they'll say that. They'll give that. They're even working on a vaccine for cancer now. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. So the greatest thing would be to have a vaccine against cancer. Jesus, well, the, the greatest thing we need, though, is that the greatest medical problem we face is death. Because even with, with all of the vaccines, and even if we have a vaccine against cancer, everybody still dies. So if you're talking about the greatness of vaccines, they're very, very helpful. But, but the real thing we need is a vaccine against death. And Jesus offers the only vaccine that saves us from death. So Jesus is greater, much, much greater. Jesus says, all who believe in me will live even though they die. Jesus has clinically proven that it works. Jesus died and rose to life again. 
and he is still living today. The vaccine works. And, and we see the greatness of Jesus in that wondrous truth. And we, we offer people the vaccine. We receive it ourselves when we, by faith, put our hope in Jesus. And I'll, I'll end with what a, a wonderful assurance that is, too. But just a picture, Jesus is greater. There there are great things, but Jesus is greater. Our focus this morning is on the letter of Hebrews. And the thing that we are focusing in on is what happened with the letter of Hebrews and and the reality, the, the, the third example, that who is greater? Am I greater or is Jesus greater? And, and actually the discussion, the discussion comes down to, okay, actually the struggle is most focused on, I think, I'm greater. Do you think you're greater than Jesus? Often that's how we live, and that's how we act. And the biggest threat to the greatness of Jesus is me, is you. And that's the situation in the letter of Hebrews. The letter of Hebrews is sent out to people who knew about Jesus, but, but who felt that they were pretty great. Pretty great. And so this letter is focused on the Jewish members of the New Testament church, and it focuses in on, on, on much of, that's why it's called Hebrews too, the, 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 the faith of the Hebrews, the faith of the Jewish nation, the faith that, that, that indeed was part of the people of God from, from Abraham. But there had, had grown in that a sense of, of we are pretty great in ourselves. And don't really need Jesus. And so, so there's a picture here with the reference to all the angels a little later in the passage of, of knowledge and really knowing what's all involved in a level of knowledge that's great, that's outstanding, so that our knowledge, we know about things and we know, yeah, as much or more than God, than Jesus. And so that's not just them feeling better than average. We have that too. We see that in ourselves often too as, as we go about our lives. I, I have it too. When, when I hear someone else preach and then I think too, they're, they're pretty good, but I do it this way. I'm, I'm, I'm a little better. Hey, I don't know. that's just the way it is, right? And if you're a teacher and you hear others teach or you hear about them teaching, you think, well, I'm a little better than that. Or if you're farming and you're, you see other farms and you think, well, I, I farm better than that. I plan my crop rotation better than that. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the best, but I'm, I'm better than most. And that, that sense of, okay, I'm managing my life pretty good. I'm pretty secure. I'm pretty prosperous. Uh, I have a good job. My marriage is okay. My life is okay. I'm, I'm doing pretty great. 
on my own. And there's no real need for Jesus. And even in this time in Alberta, where with the economic concerns and people are struggling, but I'll get through it. Because I'm, I'm pretty smart and I'm pretty good. And that's the way we feel often. And the people of the letter of Hebrews who are being addressed there felt the same way. Hebrews 1 is trying to cut through that confidence in ourselves, cut through that sinful pride. And so the letter of Hebrews says, the only thing great about your and my life today and every day, the only thing great about us at all is the loving presence and saving sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If there was a movie made about your life, Jesus would win the Academy Award. It's not, it's not us. We are muddling along at best. He is the great center and hope. But so often, we don't really see it that way. Jesus is for us handy if I need him. If, if I need him, it's handy to call on. Because I'm, I'm pretty great on my own. Not really necessary. I'll offer a little prayer. I'll, I'll come to worship. I'll, I'll maybe go to a Bible study if I feel like it, but not so much for me, for the others maybe. Because I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good. That's, that's the feeling we get. And so Jesus becomes small. Jesus is actually quite small in our lives. And so that reality is what is there in Hebrews, and that's, that's what, what we have. I wonder, as you came in this morning, did you notice Jesus? Did you see Jesus? Yes! There's Jesus. Small. That's small. And the tendency in us, in fact, is this. This is like an eye exam. Here. Small and getting smaller. Can you still see Jesus? It's getting tougher. Can you see him? Almost not visible at all. And it's the devil that gets us to do this. It's the devil that gets us to shrink things down. You don't need Jesus, you're fine on your own. You don't need Jesus, he can't do anything for you anyway. The devil is working hard to have us keep Jesus small, to make him smaller. It's his goal to make Jesus less and less And like the letter written to the people of Hebrews to get us to make ourselves greater. So as Jesus becomes less and less, we become more and more. So then then more time for me, more money for me, more things for me, less time for Jesus, less money, less of anything for Jesus. That's, That's the pressure on our lives. 
Run, run, run. Busy, busy, busy. Don't have time. Don't really need Jesus anyway. And so that's the constant threat. So we want to recognize that. We want to stand against that. And Hebrews as a letter gets our attention. Hebrews 1 is trying to get through to us again today in this time of Lent to cut through the lies of the devil and to make Jesus greater through these weeks of Lent. That's our challenge this morning. So first of all, let me show you how Hebrews 1 begins with a bold and loud and over-the-top declaration of the greatness of Jesus Christ. Not just one or two things, but seven, eight things that are amazing in relation to who Jesus is. First of all, Jesus is the greatest prophet. This talks about speaking. He has spoken. And so God, through Jesus, speaks. And by the Spirit and the Word, he continues to speak even now. And so that reality, question is, who do you listen to? Who do I listen to? But we listen to a lot of media. We listen to a lot of movies. We listen to a lot of music. Are we listening to Jesus? Letting his word, letting faith speak into our lives. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. And as he comes up out of the water, the dove descends and a voice from heaven says, This is my son. And What does it say? Listen to him. People, please, listen to him. So much going on, so much drowning out. We don't. So Hebrews reminds us. Second thing, Jesus is a great high priest. Talks about him here. And, and later on in Hebrews, it'll go on about that. Uh, He is the great high priest who offered the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He offered the sacrifice for our sins. He forgives us. And this is so necessary. We think it's not necessary, but it is necessary. It is so necessary. We went to Breakforth, and and it was a beautiful weekend a couple weeks ago. And in just one thing, in relation to Saturday night, there was a beautiful concert by Paul Beloche. He had just wonderful music and songs. But he was building up to the point where he knew the Bott family was coming from Eckville to speak. Roger and Bonita Bott. Beautiful family of four suddenly became a family, or sorry, with four kids, but then they lost the three girls, right? The three girls died in the back of the truck as the truck was being loaded with canola, right? And so in Breakforth, this couple comes forward, and everybody is, yeah, 5,000 people sitting there, everybody, and, and, and they, they show the the news clip and everything. And, and you can tell Paul Beloche is uncomfortable. He, he's not sure how to introduce these people or what to say. They have gone through a tremendous tragic event. And so they come forward and they, 
they, they don't really say a whole lot. Hey, Barb, they, they didn't really talk extensively. They, they talked about the grace of God in their lives and the comfort that they felt. And, and Bonita started, and, and she shared very nicely, too, just the tragedy of the loss, but that God's presence and the presence of the Christian community. Then Roger spoke, and of all the things he could say, the one thing he said, she forgives me. She forgives me. Because he was there in the truck with the girls. And he shouldn't have let that happen. How could he let that happen? What kind of a father was he? Three girls died in the truck. He was right around there. She forgives me. Wow. Because, yeah. What, what, what else can you say? What else can you do? If you, and if you, and if you, you, you should have done this, you, should have, you shouldn't have been. Absolutely, we understand that that could have been. But he simply shared. How could she forgive him? He was there. She was home. He shouldn't have let it happen. In God's, in God's grace to her, to him, to us all, forgiveness. Jesus is the great high priest who takes our sins. Yeah, he, he messed up. He, yeah, accident, accident, was an accident, absolutely. But would you forgive? Could you forgive? She forgives. And he receives that. And we need to receive that because our lives are messed up in similar, yeah, perhaps not actually as tragic ways, but the importance of, of receiving the forgiveness of God so we can go on in our lives and forgive others. Otherwise, we are lost in our anger, in our sadness, in all kinds of things if we do not see the forgiveness of God at the center in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the great high priest. He forgives our sins. We can forgive one another. Jesus is the great king who is sitting down at the right hand of God in heaven right now. He is the king of this world. But we have trouble letting him be the king, the Lord of our lives. As if he doesn't know what he's doing. But, but, but he's the king of this world. But we struggle with that. We need to see he is the king of this world. He is the Lord of all. Let him be the Lord of your life. Make him great in your life. So that's, that's the big three to begin with. Prophet, priest, and king. And that would resonate in the hearts and minds of the Hebrews, of all of those who were reading this letter. This is who Jesus is. These are the great, the highest things. These are the, the greatest things. The prophet in Israel, the priest, the high priest was the greatest. The king was the greatest. Jesus is all of that for all of us. And then he adds number four. He is the heir of all things. That's the right of ownership. All we have and all we are belong to him. All we have and all we are belong to him. Does that remind you of anything? 
Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 1. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a beautiful thing. What does the devil want us to think? Well, everything belongs to me. Nothing belongs to Jesus. And I do with what I want with what belongs to me. I belong to myself, and everything I have belongs to me, and nothing belongs to Jesus, and I'll just do what I want to do. And then we are lost in a sad slavery to our belongings. And we need more belongings and new belongings. And our belongings take over our lives. And Jesus is nowhere present. We need to have Jesus. And we belong to him. And all we are and all we have belongs to him. Number five, he is the perfect representation of God to us. We are so small. We are so small. Our minds are so small. We are incapable of of recognizing and knowing who God is. So God comes in Jesus, and in Jesus we can see who God is. That's a wonderful gift. That is an amazing thing. As we look to Jesus, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so we can can actually engage personally our God who wants to be our God and Lord and Savior in Jesus. What a gift. And then it adds, he's the creator of all things, magnificent truth, and that he upholds all things. Not a hair can fall from our head. These are just a few of the great things of who Jesus is. And then that Jesus is greater than angels spoke to a particular heresy of the day. And so that's why it goes into him being greater than angels here in this chapter. But our challenge for us in this season of Lent is to make Jesus greater. How can we make Jesus greater in our lives, in our actions, in our words, in everything? We need to make Jesus greater because he is. He is the greatest thing for us. More than healthy eating and exercise. Jesus is the greatest thing for us. So to make him greater. And one of the things to do that, uh, just to give, give one thing here this morning, uh, is to know him more. To, to, to come to know him more. So, so his greatness, he deserves our, our study, our reflection on his life and on his teaching and on his word. And so, so to let him shape our lives in accordance to his perfect will, to, to let him speak into our lives more and more, it, to study, to, to take the time to read and reflect on who he is and what he has done and what he has called us to do. And so, so that works itself out in terms of, of, of God's word and, and speaking and reflecting on God's word. There is a, uh, an amazing, uh, if, if you look at the lives of great people, and if you, if you dig deeply into what their lives have been like and what they have said and done, if you look at the lives of great people, say Steve Jobs, right? Great person who 
got the whole Apple thing going and Steve Jobs, amazing, his work and his vision and, and how he put that all together. But if you dig more deeply into his life, you see all kinds of faults and failings. And he really wasn't a very good person in many, many ways. And, and if you look at other great people in this world, if you, if you study and look deeply into their lives, you will be disappointed. All kinds of weaknesses and failures will appear. But if you dig into God's word and into the life of Jesus, you will not be disappointed. Jesus is the only one who becomes greater. He becomes greater in your mind and in your heart the more you reflect on who he is, what he has said and what he has done and what he continues to do. And so that's the challenge I want to lay before you this morning, that that you, in this time of Lent, think about, reflect on how you engage just God's word, how you let it speak into your lives. It could be devotional time could be a Bible study to become part of a Bible study. could even be some people, and we do it nicely with the four weeks of Lent, that, that in every week you read one of the Gospels. That you just commit to reading one of the Gospels. So in this coming week, you read the Gospel of Matthew. You just read through it, and you let it speak to you. Remind you of, of all who Jesus is, all he did, all he said. And then next week, you go through Mark and Luke and John. And by the time we come to Good Friday, you will have a deeper appreciation of what Jesus has done for you. So that's, that's my challenge for you this morning. Then I just want to conclude with uh, that you make, when you let Jesus be greater in your life, then instead of... Instead of things getting smaller, you you let Jesus be greater. And there's one example out of Hebrews 12, just at the end here, where it says, um, Jesus, you remain the same, and your years will never end. And that's the truth that Jesus is eternal God. And when we put our faith in Jesus, when we see him as the greatest, then all of a sudden our lives which we hope by God's grace might last, yeah, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And all of a sudden that opens up. And from, from the devil's narrow lie that, yeah, you're just living here for a few years and you better make the best of it. All of a sudden all that changes because as soon as you put your faith in Jesus, you have an eternal future. Your life is big and long and good forever. And it changes everything. When you make Jesus great, your life gets great. If he's the great center of your life, then you are living into eternity. You are not storing up treasures here. You are storing up treasures in heaven. Now that's the fun kind of storing things up. You are part of God's great work that leads from this life into eternity. And so living for Jesus, serving Jesus every day, makes things greater because Jesus is greater. And serving him joyfully and thankfully, generously and faithfully makes our lives great too. There's nothing greater. Let's pray together.
Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you again this morning for speaking your truth into our lives through your word. And we see your greatness as it's expressed, and we try to grasp it with our small minds. And we pray that in this time of Lent, you would remind us of your greatness and that we could see and make you greater in our lives every day. Lord, help each one here just to reflect on these things and to see your love and to make you the joyful center of each day. We pray in your precious name. Amen.